Welcome back to another episode of the Return of the Roar podcast presented by Sackdown Sports 1140. My name is Brandon Nunez. My guy Frankie Cardicelli here as usual. How you feeling, Frank? Brendan, everyone listening, hello. It's good to be back. We took a little break, just kind of going through the course of the season. You know, if, if you listen to to uh, Brendan and I, you know that we're on the air most days. We go on with our buddies, Chris and Alan. But uh, I was telling you before we started recording, got some, I'm wearing the, the bags under my eyes right now, just kind of at that point where it's late nights and early mornings and um, doing good. In, by the way, in my sister's room, for those watching on YouTube, my sister, uh, still a roommate of mine, uh, will be moving out soon, but I'm in her room right now. As you can see, she's got some Tyler, the creator art behind me, which is real nice, her closet. Um, switching it up. We know a it's bit. your room, Frank. It's okay. This is my room. You got me with the the pink curtains stuff. You yeah. Know. It's it's yeah. nice, nice touch. Nice touch. I see that I was gonna ask where the Jemias Ramsey cutout was, because usually that's always welcoming me in your camera yeah. that's at our office. It is at the office. That might need to make a return. Actually, it's better in an office than in my bedroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> in your room? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, the first time I got that, it scared the crap out of me in the middle of the night one time, actually. <laughs> it got me super off guard. I just like, it was the first time it was there. It was just like in the corner of my room. I like halfway woke up in the middle of the night and saw like a silhouette, you know, like an outline of a person. <laughs> and just because I was half asleep, like it woke me up for half a sec, you know. Isn't he, isn't he like cooking in the G League right now? Isn't he having a good year or? Yeah, he, uh, I saw him when they came into town playing for OKC. He's playing pretty well, and now he's on the USA team, actually, with Stanley Johnson and Deontay. Wow. Burton, the under or the like America qualifier team. The other day, he went off like 14 points in a row to start the game or something. Yeah, I, I saw um, I saw like some footage of him not too long ago, but he looked like he's yoked now. Like He put on yeah. some size, which I guess is kind of like the the move of a lot of guys were trying to kind of make it just add size. And, you know, like Nick Stauskas a couple years ago was looking beefed up in the G league. And I don't know what happened to him. Sauskas Dio, but he, he was beefing up for a while too. Jemias is still 22. I'm just saying. Just what about saying. Bob Woodard? Never know. Woodard, uh, you know, we probably, it's probably only one more year. Honestly, he's the one that I don't really know what has been going on recently. Let's do a quick, I got to do before better. We, before we dive into the, where the Kings are right now, uh, Rob Woodard, I like is, this. I have to know. Do you have it? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to see where we'd look this up. I guess I'm going to try real GM here. Because see, for those don't overseas, know, he's overseas. He played okay. for Robert Indiana Warden. in Summer League. He had to have had like the most NBA ready build of any player in that draft, too. It just didn't just didn't work out, unfortunately. But oh, yeah. No, because then we talked sure. Him, didn't we talk about this? When when is the last in the Kings had a second round pick that worked out? Yeah, I mean, does Nimi count? Nimi doesn't count, huh? No, I and mean, then Keon's undrafted. So I mean, I, I guess mm -hmm. that counts. I guess you maybe like that's better. I guess like an undrafted free agent sounds that's better than a second. I mean, probably should just yeah. take him. Kobe in, Jones. In Kobe Jones is next up. He's gonna work. He's gonna work out. But Woodard is somewhere overseas. Like earlier, he played for. He's played for three different teams. He actually was in the Greek League earlier this year, too. He is living it up overseas. That's the right, latest. Man. You know, latest with the Sacramento team, though. I was like, if Bob Wood was playing for the Heat last night, he might have had himself a game. I mean, he's just Haywood Highsmith out there. <laughs> so the, the Kings did just lose to the Miami Heat last night, who were without 
12 players or however many. Um, and in very typical fashion, they won the night before in L.A. against the Clippers, a Clippers team that's really rolling right now, even if they did not have Paul George. And so now post-All-Star break, we're looking at a win against the Spurs and then a back-to-back against the Clippers and Heat where you beat the Clippers and lost to the Heat. Like, Frank, is this not the most stereotypical, predictable thing considering how the Kings season has gone this year? I think that it's very unfortunate that we're at that point. We're not at that point. I guess the Kings are at that point where where you do have a win like that. You come off one of your best wins of the year. Mike Brown called it their most complete win of the year. Uh, he he said that that game against Denver a couple weeks ago before the break might have been their their best win of the year that they came back and they held a good team you know they're to ninety eight points and De'Aaron Fox had a big fourth quarter that night big I mean a big win over the Clippers who had kind of had the Kings number all year and I literally told some friends like I wish there was and I think I heard Do say the same thing on a clip he posted today that it, we wish there was a, a day or two in between these games to kind of just relish in that win because it was a really just impressive effort by the Kings who played well on both ends of the floor, like more so the defensive end. And then you go to last night, and there's a bunch of things that go into, into, into come into play here. The the fact that the Kings are, they haven't been a good back-to-back team this year. They've won a couple more games, you know, after starting going four. Then you play a shorthanded team, which all the jokes. I mean, when, when the injury report came out for yesterday's game, I think you probably saw it too. Countless people just saying, well, congratulations to the Heat. I kind of was like rolling my eyes at that. I, I kind of didn't want to really believe that. And I don't know if you subscribe to that notion that the Kings just have a problem with shorthanded teams. Do you subscribe to that notion? Because Mike Brown last night postgame said, no, he does not think that's a thing. I mean, they definitely, there's something there. I just don't exactly know what it is. And like the quote that stood out to me postgame was, and I'm paraphrasing Keegan saying pretty much that like effort can't be just, it can't come and go in the way that it really has. And I think there were times they looked gassed. Domas specifically looked gassed throughout the course of that game. He had just been dealing with the sickness. But, I mean, there's definitely something there. I did think, though, with it being post-All-Star break, we're, we're talking like 26 or something games remaining, extremely close Western Conference. You see the Kings, I think, were at 8th before that game against the Clippers. They win the game. They climb to 5. It's like, okay, you got a good opportunity here to keep it rolling with how close these standings are, I, I thought they were going to pull it out. But, I mean, credit to Miami, I will say. Miami's weird. Like, you knew they played well, even without all of their players. Jaime Hawkes hit ridiculous isolation shots. Like, Your ridiculous. high school, high school uh, pal. Uh, yeah, sure. Went to high school together. Uh, Would have made the team if, you know, <laughs> other circumstances worked out. I, but no big deal. Man. Not with Jaime Hawkes, but I've been there with what you're talking about. I, you know. But coach said that they were fine not doubling him. And if you go back and look at some of the shots, a lot of it is like, okay, I think we're going to live with that. You know, it was probably more so Bam that I I think was really the, you got to clean that up. I mean, is it just me or was it kind of tough watching Bam just take one step and get right past Tomas every time? It happened a lot. And also creating space on the mid range, which I'm not, used to seeing Bam Adebayo, which I know he can, but just take that many mid-range jumpers. And he knocked down a couple really tough looks, which I don't know if that's credit to Sabonis or credit to the Kings defense, who put a lot of pressure on the Heat in crunch time. And they just knocked down some crazy shots. Like Bam and and Hawkeyes just kind of back-to-back took turns knocking down tough shots. But yeah, I mean, Bam, I I know Sabonis had another triple-double, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, 
the defensive issues are still there with him as far as that quickness because he's getting beat off a dribble by guys like that, and that can, that can't happen. So yeah, and and the double team has to get there a little sooner. And they all point all the Kings after last night's game are just going to point to the defense, say that we had to be better defensively. I think that turnovers definitely didn't help them getting Miami easy points. And uh, again, the the Bam doubles and some of the rotations after to shooters, but. I mean, I thought the offense was pretty tough, too, for most of that game. You really look at that third quarter that was just a total mess for the Kings. And Miami's zone defense that they just sat in the entire, like practically the entire game, gave the Kings fits. And it's the second time in a row, both times now that these teams have matched up, where the Kings just cannot shoot and are turning the ball over and just look totally out of sorts because of this weird Miami zone. And the other one that got pointed out post game is like Utah does this a little bit. And the Kings had a little bit of issues with Utah previously. But it's it's weird to me because Miami feels so unique. They are. I mean, and we I think there's a lot of things that popped up on Twitter too, like beware of the Miami Heat role players. And that's why I kind of was like looking at the starting five last night. And I thought, OK, are they missing Jimmy Butler? Yeah. Terry Rozier, Tyler Hero. Josh Richardson, who's had a, a successful NBA career, I think, is a reserve and who really torched the Kings. I think he had six made threes and they played in uh, South Beach a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. But they had guys last night in the starting five that can be you. I mean, even DeLon Wright, who made his heat debut last night, knocked down some big shots like he that made some big debut? plays. That was his debut. He put he tweeted oh. right after the game, always wanted to wear that heat jersey. He kind of was getting I think he was getting DNP CDs, but. I mean, Duncan Robinson with a career high, what, 11 assists last night? Like, they took away his shooting, and he was moving the ball. Like, they had guys that could hurt you. Even Caleb Martin had some moments. He had that big dunk in the game, kind of a slap in the face on the way out. But um, Kevin Love they, just posting up. Kevin Love, I mean, again, they had, they had six. I mean, Haywood Highsmith, too, last night, which Chris Watkins was making jokes before the game, like Haywood Highsmith. Uh, just going to be a career night for him or it's going to be a you know master class for Haywood Highsmith. Wasn't wrong. I mean, Kevin Love and Haywood Highsmith alone outscored the Kings bench. I'm sorry, Kevin Love alone outscored the Kings bench. 19 points to I think 15. Uh, you had 19 for Kevin Love yeah. last night and then you got 15 or 17 from the Kings bench because Malik Monk had 8 and 7 assists. Um, it's just one of those games from the Kings where one quarter really did them in. And if you take away that third quarter, which again, the game of basketball at the NBA level was four quarters. We can't do that. This hypothetical game all the time. And the third quarter just really was what killed them. And the first and fourth were great. The fourth quarter, especially when you shoot what they shoot in the fourth quarter, they held the heat to 38% from the field. The heat didn't make one three in the fourth King shoot 54% from the field. They go five or 12 from three. You should win that game. And the fact that they were in the position where they couldn't because of how poorly they played in the third, that's all you need to know, I guess. But um, it, it's hard to put your finger on it. Like, is it because of the fact that they they don't take shorthanded teams as serious? Because that's all I was looking at on on a couple of people that covered the NBA last night were saying, you know, watching the Kings, it looks like that they they try to they're they're a C team, but they act like they're an A team the way they play these teams that are beneath them. They act like they can just coast to a win, and they can't. Like they're, when they aren't playing to their best of their ability or the best effort, they're not going to win games. And it just was last night was another example of a, a game that could loom large as we get later in the season. Well, and it's weird because pregame, like Mike Brown gets asked about how do you keep your guys? How do you make sure that energy level is here for this type of game, considering what's happened earlier this year and some of these matchups, teams shorthanded or the quote unquote worst team coming into town? 
And he was pretty blunt. And like, you know, we talked to the guys before this that every game matters so much for seeding right now. So it's it's not like this isn't being discussed amongst themselves, you know, and it, it's just another one of those because like you said, we didn't really get to like breathe after the Clippers game and soak that in. But you put the two games together, it's like, I don't just that with the recent play in that Clippers game being right there as well. I don't know. I, I kind of think the fact that they play the good teams at a high level is almost more encouraging to me than them playing down to their opponent's level, if that makes sense for when postseason time comes around. But obviously Definitely. right now it's like, well, you better be in the postseason. Like a play-in is a disaster. I mean, what we're going to talk about for the rest of the year is just staying in the top six, right? Yeah, and it's it's a complete mess right now. Like the, the standings are going to be just like a musical chairs, not just for the Kings, but for, for the other teams around them. Like right now, as things stand, what's today, Tuesday, uh, the Kings right now are seventh, but they're tied with the Mavericks, who they hold the head-to-head advantage there. And they play them two more times in Sacramento, so that's great advantage there. Then you have New Orleans and the Suns a half game ahead of them. I mean, that's four teams going for two spots. Two of those teams are going to be in the plan. And I think when you look at, the schedule ahead, which we don't have to get into right now, but it, the Kings have a tough road ahead of them, and especially this week. Like, what are things going to look like come Friday after the Kings face Denver and Minnesota? Like, you need to get at least one of those games, I would imagine, to keep pace. And Phoenix right now has the number one hardest strength of schedule in the whole entire league. They definitely have things stacked against them. Again, we have not really seen Phoenix play at their peak, and that's kind of like the but that's kind of the way that these Kevin Durant super teams have gone over the past couple of years. Like they always kind of like, when are we going to see them really take off? When are we going to see them really go? And I, I'm not saying that they can't, but a lot of people are being critical about them because of that reason that Bradley Beal hasn't been healthy. They haven't really been able to string together just a successful stretch, but the Kings can't really bank on that. Like at this time last year, the Kings were pretty much in the same spot. And on this day today, a year ago, they were 35 and 25 today, 33 and 24. The difference is, 35 and 25 last year, 10 games over, they had a four game lead as a three seed over the four. There are seven right now, and they're in danger of falling to eight with the Lakers and Warriors just three games behind. So this is a very different West. It's like the same exact Kings team, but the West is just that much better. And it's very dangerous right now. Do you feel any better about the defense? Like that was obviously the talking point in the offseason. They're up to 20th in defensive rating. Again, you have these games like against the Clippers or against Denver earlier this year. They've done well against OKC and there's encouraging moments, but there's also still those same like, gosh, these guys are just letting them walk to the basket or getting wide open threes. But do you, do you feel better about it at all this year? I don't know. It's hard to say like they're they're 19th in defensive rating, I think, right now, which that's definitely better than 25th last year. But. I think that their three-point defense has regressed. I mean, right now I'm looking at it. They're the last. They're last in the NBA in three-point defense. Opponents are shooting 39.6% from three, which is why I'm saying, like, if if you're watching the Kings and it feels like opponents are just getting red hot from three, they usually are. Like, they're usually knocking down 40% or better. And in comparison to last year, they were, again, 24th, letting opponents shoot 37. So have they gotten better on the defensive end? I think overall, yes. But I think the three-point defense is going to be a problem going forward because, I mean, in this current version of the NBA, teams are shooting threes. Like, they're letting it fly. Like, more times than not, 
these teams are going to let it go. And if you're not able to defend that portion of the game, it's going to be very, very tough to win games because the Kings don't only really have, I mean, outside of Keegan Murray and De'Aaron Fox has been playing just the best defense of his career right now. I mean, yeah. is it, that's probably the not. Cl- the Clippers game was crazy. Like he's insane. And it was a mad De'Aaron Fox after that tech, and he looked different. But I, I agree. I think this has probably been some of the best defense. We've seen flashes before, but we're seeing it more often. And that's rare, by the way, seeing Fox show that much fire, which I think is yeah. good to see him. I agree. Because I think with De'Aaron, like a lot of the time, um, he not that he doesn't care. De'Aaron Fox wants to win. He cares. I think he kind of just lets himself – he's a little guarded and kind of lets himself not get too, too high or too low with any game. It's not often that we see him – want it like want it bad like that like you could tell he wanted to beat the Clippers and there are some things that kind of go on we, we've seen De'Aaron and, and Russell Westbrook they've talked a little bit like there was that whole thing a, a season or two ago where Westbrook was like I'm fast like he was like I'm fast like saying he was the fastest player in the league uh Westbrook and Kevin Herter got into it a little bit a, a year ago and I think at the beginning of this year with the, the too small gesture um that's right there's yeah and De'Aaron said little- he's looked up to Russ a lot growing up yeah, which I thought was weird because, again, I think it was the season before last. It was Westbrook and Fox kind of like having some not like fighting words, but Westbrook was like, if you think you're fast, like I'm fast, like because it was after the players poll came out and they voted De'Aaron the fastest player in the league. And Westbrook was second at the time. Um, De'Aaron wanted to get that one, especially against the Clippers team that had their number. I think that De'Aaron's going to be really important to them going down the, this final stretch. And I, I think I put it up last night. I'll have to pull it up again. But uh, what he's doing right now after playing poorly with a lot of fans being worried about him, they're worried about that shoulder, which is that going to be a, a longstanding issue? I don't know. Um, but over the past five games, he's had 25 points, five plus rebounds, five plus assists and two plus steals. And all those games over the past 20 seasons, only four other players have done that. And it's LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady and Jokic. So what we're seeing from Fox right now is, the man's he's back, but you need more from the other guys too. And that's why I'm wondering, like, you know, is it a matter of defense to you? Like is if, if Fox and Sabonis are doing what they're doing, like last night, Fox did the, you know, 25, five, whatever, two steals, Sabonis triple double Keegan Murray had a huge game. It's a defense, isn't it? Like that's gotta be the, what the, the catalyst going forward is it's going to be how good can the Kings defense be on any given night? Is that going to, to you going to be what determines their, their, you know, whether they win or lose games? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I still think there's offensive questions. Um, real quick on De'Aaron. So you go back last nine games, right? There's He's played great the three games post-All-Star break and the two games right before. Right prior to that, he had four straight games of less than 20, and this is where everybody's concerned. But then you have a Phoenix game, he drops 40, and a Denver game, he drops 30. And that's right before All-Star break. And then he goes into the break, has three great games since 28, 33, 27, actually not great against that Miami um, seven turnovers season high for De'Aaron. But I think like, I feel like we almost got confirmation that he needed the break. You know, he looks rejuvenated. He looks rested, whether that's just mentally, you know, who knows, like child at home, um, whether it's the shoulder, whether it's ankle stuff. Whatever it be, um, I, I think that he's looked really good. And they need him on both ends of the floor. Like he sets the tone defensively. They were so complimentary of what he did to James Harden in that Clippers game and setting the tone at the point of the attack defensively. Um, so I think he and Keegan are really like the two key factors there defensively. 
But I, I do still have – I don't feel comfortable just saying like the offense is going to be there every single night necessarily in the way that it feels like maybe some of uh, Mike Brown and others do. You know, I, I think more often than not, you're going to get Fox. You're going to get Domas. I feel fine relying on those guys. But I need like one and a half of Keegan, HB, Malik. Kevin, and Malik. Like give me like – 30 points between them at least, you know, 40 actually really like I feel like the nights where only one of those guys really makes noise is tough out there. And Kevin had a good stretch for a little bit in that Miami game, but it really was Keegan that was out there with De'Aaron and Domas. And I just think that some of these other guys do have inconsistencies Mm -hmm. that I worry about. And like after after De'Aaron and Domas, who do you feel best about relying on night tonight? I mean, to me, it's it's Malik who I think so too. As like a volume shooter or scorer, he's he's their next guy. I mean, Keegan, I think from a points per game average, sure, like he's their guy that's done more. But with Malik, I'm looking at just these last eight games, he was on an absolute roll uh, going into the break, and then it's really going into the break. I mean, th- those four games before that Denver game. He had scored 20 points in four straight games for the first time in his Kings career. I think the second time in his career. Playing the best basketball probably of his career. And then you look at the last four games, uh, 11.8 points per game on 38% shooting, 16% from three. I don't know if it's if it's impressing a little bit or if he's not just getting his looks, if it's a give and take as far as Keegan was the guy that was knocking down shots last night, even though I thought that his his looks were just really within the flow and kind of like mostly late in the third or in the fourth when he was getting those three triples, you know, it, it's not like the, he's getting the ball in, in ISO situations and going off a dribble. He's getting that off of, you know, cross court passes, you know, dribble handoffs from Sabonis. Malik's the guy who has the ball in his hands and is initiating the offense. And when he's not able to knock down those shots, uh, it changes the King's identity. When Malik Monk is at that as best though. And like last year, like we saw it, there wasn't as many inconsistencies last year. Like you were talking about like, Kevin was rough in the middle of the year last year. I think that was kind of like the the, the yeah. downside. Keegan was pretty consistent last year. Um, Sabonis was consistent. Fox, like Mike Brown said, didn't get hurt and didn't really have like a really bad stretch. Um, this year, we've kind of seen each player take a turn outside of Sabonis, I guess that is. Each player's taken a turn at kind of going through a rough patch. And um, we haven't really seen them all just kind of firing all cylinders like we did, except against... The Clippers, like Malik even had a decent night that night. He went 12 points, five assists, uh, you know, two or six from three. It's not good, not great, but, you know, 12 points off the bench, you can live with that. Um, the Kings need to be seven players deep, I think. Like, they, you need to have seven guys that can go out there and do something for you, and that includes Trey Lyles. And I think right now we're looking at a Kings team who I still don't think we really know who their true identity is. We knew what it was last year, but – we don't know what team we're going to get every given night. Like we just don't know who's going to show up or who's not going to show up. And that's maybe that's a that's a case for other teams in the mix. But for a Kings team that we've seen play really the same group together for over a year now, this is kind of uncharacteristic in my mind for them. And but we're at the point though where maybe it is like this is maybe the identity of the twenty three twenty four group. This isn't twenty two twenty three anymore, and they need to find some consistency. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough road to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, last year it was like. To your point, their starting lineup played so much more than any other group. You knew that's what they were going to close with. And then maybe there was a little variance. Maybe Malik would play for either Kevin or HB, right? This year, like you could even look at last night with the Heat. 
um, Harrison Barnes isn't closing the game. Instead, they go to Trey Lyles for a little while. Or, you know, there's moments we've seen Chris Duarte out there at the yeah. end of games, just trying to figure something out. Um, I agree with you. It should be Malik. There's still a little too much inconsistency for me. And sometimes that's just him not getting as involved. And I think sometimes that could be a little bit of a flaw of like the free flowing offense that Sacramento has. I think sometimes they could be a little bit more direct and forced just for a couple possessions. But 16 games this year, Malik Monk, single digits. Take a crack at the Kings record. In those games, I'm going to go five and 11. Six and 10. And it feels that way, though. It feels that way. And also, I think last year when Malik go, again, this is not like a a huge, but 89% from the free throw line last year, he's 81%. It's an 8% difference in three. I don't know what that's about either. That's a whole team issue. But when Malik Monk's at his best, the Kings are usually at their best as well. That's how I usually view it. Yeah, that's absolutely been the case. And I mean, there, yeah, there's still these defensive question marks for sure. Moving forward with the strength of schedule is a really hot topic right now for the Kings. And I know they got Denver, Minnesota next up, right? There's still tough matchups in here. They still got Milwaukee later in the year. Just kind of going down. Still got Philly. Got a tough Eastern Conference road trip, by the way. I, I want to say they're the, was a the, end of the, the year. other day talking about how it's really rare for them to still have two road trips like this. Like they still have at the end middle towards end of March, Toronto, Washington, Orlando, not too bad, but a road trip. And then, yeah, in the last six games or seven, the first four of those at New York, at Boston, at Brooklyn, at OKC, like there, there is a tough stretch in here, but part of me is almost, I view it as an opportunity rather than a downside. Because again, I think we've seen the Kings play up to their level of competition the same way that they've played down. And I feel like they have a chance every single night. And I know you could say that for probably 10 teams in the Western Conference, but that's really what it feels like where we're at. So like, do you, when you look at the strength of schedule remaining, is it worrying to you or or kind of just the nature of it? How do you kind of approach that? I mean, I'm looking at the teams that they play, and I think that to me, and I look at the road trip, and I don't really look at the road trips again. Like the Kings have performed well on road trips. Like they, when they go on that they went five and two on that seven game trip earlier this year, uh, just incredible. Um, I'm looking at like these two upcoming games is like maybe the roughest, like quote unquote, trip of remaining. Like you have Denver and you have Minnesota, which are like two of the toughest places to play in the league. And the Kings have obviously won in both those buildings this year, which is a very good positive. Um, but I'm looking the strength of schedule to me. It's a little warped because the Kings, again, as inconsistent as they've been, most of these games are at home. Like they have more, I think they have some either the most or like top three remaining home games in the league. I'm not sure if that's confirmed, but someone mentioned last night to me that they have like their top three, top four, most home games left in, in the NBA. Last night, obviously, is not a very good indicator of like, you know, hopefully or what they can do. But um, they are at home. They're What are they at home this year? They're last night definitely probably hurts a little bit. 16 and 10, 17, and 16 and 10, 10 at road. 16, 10 at home, 16 and 10 at home. I mean, obviously, they'll get up for these opponent, these uh these big games. But um, I feel like that kind of helps them a little bit. And the teams that are around them also have to go through tougher schedules like the Lakers, who are technically in the mix. They are the seventh hardest remaining schedule. Kings are eighth. 
Kings play them next week. You have Phoenix at one. Uh, the Clippers, who I don't know if the Kings have enough in the tank to catch them, but they're right with them. Same with New Orleans at 10. Um, it's right there. I mean, the Kings are going to be playing the teams around them in the standings, specifically Dallas. They have that kind of home home and home week, not a back-to-back, but they play them twice in, in one week at home. There's no shortage of big games coming up, and it is kind of an exciting slash frustrating, you know, scary time of the year because as each game passes, like the stakes get higher. And I think last night was kind of a game that you really would have liked to have just to kind of give yourself a little bit of a cushion, not really much of a cushion, but you would have been, you would have had a half, you would have had a half game lead for the five seed. And now you're looking at falling to eight. So, um, trying the schedule. I know it's kind of like a polarizing thing. Like a lot of people on Twitter were kind of like saying, Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I guess if, if it's on paper, like the Kings schedule after these upcoming two games, what they have Chicago, they have San Antonio and the Lakers. Like those are three matchups. I think that that should be, you know, on paper, the Kings match up well against all three of those teams. But uh, I think that we all would have said the Kings match up well against Detroit. The Kings would have matched up well against Portland. They have to go out Charlotte. there and just be the Charlotte. Like they got to go out there. They would have the 22 point lead in Phoenix, the four point lead in Milwaukee with, with, 15 seconds left. There's no shortage of games. We're looking at like seven now that if the Kings, you know, finish two games out of a top six spot, we're going to look back and say there's no shortage of games you can point at. But um, I think with the schedule and the strength of it and everything, the point is it's right there. And I think Mike and, and the guys said it a lot earlier, or even last year, they control their own destiny. Technically they do like go out and win, beat the teams you should and beat the teams around you. You're going to be where you want to be. But um like we talked about a few minutes ago, I just want to know who this Kings team, who are the 2023, 24 Kings? Like, is this their actual identity? Just a roller coaster of a team that is going to beat the best of the best and then lose to teams that are completely depleted because I feel like they're better than that personally. I'm not sure how you feel, but they have too many good players to keep, you know, continuing this cycle. What do you think? what, What are you really watching for in these final games to try to figure out? a little bit more of what this team is like. I know all these question marks are still going to exist, but is there anything in your mind that could happen that would like help provide some clarity or feel better about, or that you're really monitoring in this final 20 so games? I mean, I think what we're seeing from Fox is a very good sign. Like even the fact that, you know, last night he had 11 in the fourth, I think that he's, he's deer and Fox again. And that was a huge reason why they, they won three in a row, you know, a couple of days ago. And, when he's at that level, and I think, again, like Sabonis is kind of sleepwalking into what he's doing right now, uh, that makes it easier for other guys to kind of like, you know, chip in. Like, again, Kevin Herter has been a good three-point shooter as of late. I think he's shooting like 45% over the past couple, maybe even a month now. It's been a while. He's, he's been, been really shooting really well. well. Shooting really well. Uh, Harrison Barnes, I mean, he's kind of back into that fourth, fifth option, just kind of plugging holes when you need to, knocking down a three every once in a while, trying to play some solid defense. He got the crown in Los Angeles. Didn't he get the, the crown in LA the other night? Um, I think uh, Harrison. Yeah. Yeah, he did, which I thought it would have been De'Aaron, but you know, why? Yeah. I thought it would have been De'Aaron too, but yeah, I thought it would have been De'Aaron. Um, but I guess I'm kind of just looking to, to see if, if Fox and Sabonis are going to be those two, like we just talked about, if Malik's not going to be that third option, like, which it should be, what can you get from Keegan Murray? What can you get from Barnes, Herder, Lyles, like the other guys in your top, six top seven Davion Mitchell even got tip my cap to Davion Mitchell who has been playing probably his best basketball of the year like so far after kind of being an afterthought I mean I don't know if these are guys that are gonna make a difference 
But yeah, it's a low bar. The, I'm not gonna lie. It's a low bar. But these are the guys that you have. Like again, this is this is what happens when you don't make any moves. There's no Delon Wrights that are gonna walk through the door. No Royce O'Neills who had a great game for the Suns the other night. Again, uh, this is the team that the Kings have. I'm sorry, I don't mean to dwell on it, but I'm just saying. No, it was a crazy game, actually. Some of these stats, I'm like, what is Troy Sodio doing right now? He'll be like 20, he like 20 and 5 and like 6 or something like that. I don't know. 6 made threes. Yeah, he actually passes the ball well. It's like, wow, this guy would be nice, huh? Probably would have helped. But what about you? What are you looking at as kind of like, you know, I don't want to say a catalyst or like a, you know, indicator of the Kings getting closer to where they want to go, but, um, is it a matter of just who can step up around Fox or is it the defense or do you think it's just kind of consistency as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think this team is going to go as far as De'Aaron takes them in the end. Like, I think you know what you get from Domas and I don't think there's that much variance on a great night compared to a bad night for Domas, you know, which has its pros and cons because you look at the other end and it's like, sure, De'Aaron has more fluctuation between the two, but his highs are way higher. And I think that, he's going to take them as far as they can go on both ends of the floor, really like defensively coming out and setting the tone. You can see when he has that on ball pressure that that infects the rest of the guys. And he's the one starting it again at the point of attack, um, initiating offensively. I think sometimes he needs to be a little bit more selfish to be honest. And I think that he could just be willing or seems to be kind of just willing to let some other guys try to get a rhythm. And and I get that because he seems like somebody that could just turn it on at any point. Right. So I talked about a lot last year. It's like he probably sets other guys up early because he needs them later. He could just turn it on. Not everybody can do that. But I think sometimes just go take over a game. And I'd like to see that um, a little bit more consistently as this year continues. You don't want to see him get more beat up and then be dealing with that going into the postseason like we were talking about with All-Star break. Um, so definitely De'Aaron. And it just has to be the overall defense, really the three-point defense. Like Mike had been talking about before that Clippers game, that if they were just around average in three-point defense, they would have ranked eighth at the time in defense. And it's part of it is that they have a smaller team and just not good defensive guys. Coach, I, I... it's almost like he's like dropping little hints here and there every once in a while, but he's constantly complimenting other teams that are big, you know, that have good size and athleticism. He did it before the deadline too. Remember he did it before the yeah. deadline and we were kind of like, oh, like, that's I think this guy's mean. asking for help. Like, yeah, um, I mean, but go ahead. It's going to be an off season conversation more so, but like, do you look back at a deadline already and you're kind of just like, man, like they really probably should have addressed a couple of these holes because have they been playing like again? Yeah, the Kings are nine games over. Like the sky is by no means falling, but other teams made these around the edges moves. And do you think the Kings could have at least try to let's try to address it? Because again, nothing's gotten better. They're allowing teams to shoot forty percent from three. I don't mind it. I think that like Royce O'Neal conversation. I think Phoenix is on a way shorter timeline. You know, they have like two years. It's like we have to make our move right now. Katie's thirty six years old, I think. Right. Right. Um, Kings have everybody locked up and I feel like we've been saying this for like two years and there's only so long that you can say that, right. You can only keep uh, pushing the can down the road, but I I feel okay about it. Like, I I don't think that we're talking about a team that's in the Western conference finals. You know what I mean? And if that were the case and I felt decent about their odds of that, then I would want them to go make a move because that means you're close and those little fringe moves are going to make the difference. 
I don't know how much of a difference it would have made. It, it probably would help some games. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I don't look back at it with a bunch of regret. Like Dallas is playing great, right? Since they got their guys, they're playing amazing with Daniel Gafford and PJ Washington. They gave up a lot. It could hurt really much down the line with a, I think it's like top two protected pick two years after Luca's deal expires. Um, it, it's a tough one, but like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Like a guy would help. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Chris Duarte has been good recently, but something more consistent in that mm. sort of mold. Matisse Thibel, Tory Craig. Uh, I don't know if Tory Craig fits into that, but Royce O'Neal, um, those sort of guys. But I don't know. Does it change that much? I'm not really yeah, sure. Probably not. That's just mostly because, again, like that's just been the biggest conversation around this team. It's like, okay, well, they've stood pat since what the last major trade they made was I mean, what, what was counting major like like not okay not tristan thompson delon Wright, i guess but what was the last trade like that they Rish, made? does rashawn for a pick count I, or maybe, uh, trading a pick and rashawn there's ac- maybe acquisition what was like the last the, acquisition there, i mean I pull up? Kess, there's kessler last year chris duarte it would be chris duarte probably, probably chris duarte yeah it's chris duarte but before and then that, you have to even, go back to like DeLon Wright, Tristan Thompson or something. Yeah, I got Monty's uh, transaction log up here. Just let me pull up the last trade. You had a four team trade, the Bagley Lyles trade. Um, OK, that's right. Traded Jaden Hardy, which, you know, he obviously hasn't been as as impactful. Actually, you know, eight points per game on 37 percent from three. He's been a guy, an NBA player. Um, Tesla Edwards last deadline. Rashawn for cash. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing else. Philip Petrusev, never forget that deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the, the Philip Petrusev deal Lopez. Robin Lopez. Chris, I'll never forget how excited Chris was. <laughs> Chris Watkins, our good buddy, obsessed with getting a Lopez twin. Almost got it. But Teased. Teased. But no. But I, I, don't, um, I don't really... I don't it, mind you're, you're, it right now, but it, you can only say that for so long. You're right, and that's more off-season talk. But again, I guess a better question would be, like without getting too dramatic, is this kind of like to you, the last stand, like last stand, or whatever you want to call it for this group. Like if, if they hypothetically were to finish the year eighth and they, let's say they win the plan, they finishes the eight seed losing the first round to probably Minnesota. Is that kind of like, okay, that's end of the line for this group. Or is it kind of like, okay, let's see if we can maybe what people wanted them to do at the deadline last year. Like, or do you kind of just get there and see how it unfolds and how you get there? But I'm just kind of saying, thinking, wondering if, do you look at this as kind of like a, this is the last stretch for this group to kind of show us what the true potential is before we enter the offseason and say, okay, it's time to, to make some changes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably where I'm going to be, but like, say you win in the first round, you know, say that you're a five, six matchup and you take care of Dallas. I don't know, some hypothetical, right? Then. I don't know. Could you go into next year and really talk yourself into like, man, Keegan had that one thirty ball in the playoffs. Mm. Like he's going to have a big year next year. Um, can De'Aaron continue to get better? Like, can he get more consistent? And it's like, I think the line that I'd set would be next deadline because I understand the patience of McNair in this front office and I mean, it, it's honestly pretty admirable. Like, think of how long Buddy Heald was and Marvin Bagley were on this uh, team, and everybody knew they were going to get traded. 
and it took forever. They were extremely patient with those deals and they got good deals out of it. You know, Trey Lyles is just honestly straight up a better player than Marvin Bagley. Um, was Dante in that deal as well? Uh, yeah, they got Dante in that deal, which again, I'm looking at back I'm at not that, over it. Probably would have been nice to kind of keep him and he would be in that Davion Mitchell role, which would be insane. Um, but I guess that is kind of a good way to look at it as far as like, well, I think the most important thing, I guess, would be the Kings need to make the playoffs so that their pick can convey to Atlanta. Because if they missed, if they missed, the, or they actually, no, no, if you make the, if you make the plan as a nine ten and you lose, or you make the plan and you lose, you, you technically are a lottery team, right? Like you fall out of the top eight, like you're a lottery team. Um, I, the standings are locked in before the play-in. So like last year, I think Miami technically had the last lottery pick, even though they made the finals. Really? Okay. I believe so. So, but I, I, you know, I would guess, to be honest, that even if the pick was top 14, say it is 14. I think there's a world where Sacramento still goes to Atlanta and is like, just take the pick. They should. But is that is that so. legal? Are you able to do that? Yeah. With the league yeah I'm just taking it. OK, cool. Yeah, they should. They'd be smart to because that way that you free up making that big swing for the fence type move. People are kind of hoping they might do. Not the Zach Levine deal, but like a Zach Levine, like a star level type player that they you want to go get, you can have your picks available. Because if you, if the wheels were to hypothetically fall off and the Kings were worst case scenario, they go on a ten game losing streak tailspin, and they fall the ten or below, like yeah, that would be kind of a nightmare if you have to go into another year and worry about that pick to Atlanta and you're kind of hamstrung a little bit. But um, I do not see that. I don't see that happening at all. So I guess my next question to you is, what? Where do you view this Kings team right now? Do you view them as a top six team or do you kind of view them as a, you know, it's going to be tough fringe playing fringe six that like you could go either way? Or do you think that they're a team that like you have confidence they're going to get to the top six? I would bet on the top six, um, but not feel great about it. Probably like 60, 40, you know, I think that I actually like their chances in a lot of these playoff matches. Like you look at the other teams that say if we're talking about a potential five, six matchup, like Phoenix is the one I don't really want. I'm not. I know they've lost to New Orleans four times. I wouldn't be horrified going into it personally. Um, Dallas, I, I wouldn't feel that bad. So, I mean, I think getting that five, six is going to be really, really important. Also, because say that OKC and Minnesota are the ones staying with that one seed. I'd kind of rather play them in the second round than the Clippers or the Thunder. For sure. Um, For sure. So, or Clippers or Nuggets, I mean, but I feel like okay about top six. It's just that this West is so close, man. You're at, a, at the I end of every clip. day. I, I think I'm I'm close to it. It's I'm just so wild that at the end of every day you look and it's like they've moved like three spots. I don't think there's any way to really like if you're sitting here saying, oh, the Kings are 100, they're going to be in the top six. I, I don't know. I, I envy uh -huh. your confidence. I, yeah. I'm looking at it's really anybody. And I hate to say it, I really hate to say it, Golden State, man, they're coming. They're they have an easy schedule coming up. They play Washington tonight at home. Steph and, and Clay's been playing well off the bench. Like they they have a different thing they're trying now. It's working. It would the Kings don't play them anymore, which I think is fine. I mean, the Kings and Warriors have just ridiculous games for whatever reason. Uh, Lakers, I don't have that much. Faith. I really don't have much faith in them. I'm happy to be wrong, but I just don't have much faith in them. I don't think the moves they made really made them. They, they have that. two all-stars and the Kings have none. So that's true. 
multi two <laughs> two all stars, none. But I don't know, man. I, I'm looking at that like we said, Pelicans, Kings, Mavericks, Suns. It, it, it's just gonna be tough. But um, who right now? Who would you least like to play in that group? In a play or a playoff series? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I didn't even think about playing. I was thinking playoffs. The team I would least want the Kings to play. <laughs> Definitely right now is New Orleans only because of the fact that the Kings really haven't. I think it was the in-season tournament game. It was a good game till the end of the third. And it was a, it was a pretty good, a pretty good game. They just, they've gotten, you know, just completely destroyed by them in you know 3.5 of the four games they've played. They've gotten just destroyed. So again, maybe that could change in the playoffs. Anything can go. The Kings have been there before. A lot of these guys haven't been um, on this New Orleans team, but I think the team I'd most want to play in a playoff series right now, which again, not really a, a great answer because Luca and, and Kyrie could absolutely hurt you in a playoff series. But I feel like the Kings just match up very well against Dallas. And I think that whoever they have in the, in the post, like as far as the big matchup, as bad as that big matchup was against golden state, I think that Sabonis is, is going to be a problem for Dallas to stop. Cause he's really had a field day against them a lot. And, um, they play them two more times, so we'll have a better read on them in a couple weeks here. But I'm looking at basketball references, playoff probability, and I said coin flip. The basketball reference doesn't see it as a coin flip. They said the Kings have a 75.9% chance of finishing the top six. Hmm. So I'm okay. Sure. I'm not sure about that. They have the Warriors. I always love basketball team. reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a little more optimistic than other. What's the other one? Is it five? Uh, um uh 538 or something yeah i can look up what that has that's also that's a little more kind of like not um optimistic. probably not domos friendly numbers <laughs> probably probably not domos friendly numbers no so let me see nba predictions 538 if this is even this year this is last year where where is this year are they not doing this year yet maybe not um maybe it is hold on but I mean, I think it, it is going to be tough here, and top six is just going to matter so much in a play-in. Like you asked, you know, it, in a play-in scenario, for example, any team can win. Like as boring of an answer that is, like these are all going to be so close. We're talking one game. What happens if the Kings can't shoot one night? Like that happens. That what if? Like I mean, this is could be a what if in any game. But what if half a quarter they just don't play any defense? Like we see. You know, a play-in terrifies me. And that is, like, the most coin flip thing ever to me. Um, also, I completely agree. And also, this is not 538, but this is playoffstatus.com. Take this for what you will. Um, this has the Kings at an 85% chance of making the first round. It has the Suns at a 67%. It's Phoenix's strength of schedule. It's the fact that Phoenix has a tough road ahead. And I guess I should look at it one more time and see who Phoenix has coming up. I think, like you pointed out a second ago or earlier, they do have, they play the following teams twice. Let's read it again. Phoenix plays Boston twice, OKC twice, Minnesota two more times, Denver, Cleveland, Clippers, all two more times. It's a lot of tough games. Oh, and they still have, they still have a Cleveland game in there. They have a Philly game in there. They have a Denver game in there, a Milwaukee game. That's like Oof. they have 24 games left and over oh half. Gosh, that's over half the games they have left are against just absolute buzzsaw teams. The Kings, they're easier teams that they play. The Kings get 
the Nets, they get the Raptors, the Grizzlies at home, Portland, Spurs, and Wizards on the road. Last night, again, one, you just, it all, everything helps right now. Like everything helps. And I think we're looking forward to the schedule too, as far as, you know, they play the Spurs next week. Like there's a game I'm looking at right now. I'm circling that. I'm circling that game right now for myself. You got to win that game. You have to, you have to win the quote unquote gimmies at this point when we're about to be under 20 games left. Like it just, you can't keep punting on these games. So, um, it's volatile, man. I think when we, well, again, we're going to come back and record once a I think hopefully once a week. And then we're on a round table on Wednesdays, but I wonder what the standings are going to look like 24 hours from now. Cause I think a lot of teams are on the Kings play tonight too. Dallas and, and Cleveland play tonight. The Warriors are a little behind, but they play Pelicans and Knicks tonight. That's a big game. So, just very volatile right now as far as standings go. I think we should close with a prediction on this Denver-Minnesota two games. Yes. Yes. It's not a back-to-back, is it? It no, is. Thank goodness. No, no it's, it's not. not. February that would be, got me that'd be That'd be ridiculous, man. That'd be... The Kings do a lot of back-to-backs coming up, though, I think, right? Like, they play, like, seven, I think, still, or six? Six, seven. Stupid. They play L.A. and San Antonio. There's a Milwaukee-L.A. back-to-back. Toronto-Washington. Oh. There's New York, Boston what? on the road. New Orleans, yeah. Phoenix is two of the last three home games. Dude, that New York, Boston back to back with a so week tough. left in the season. That's what are we doing? What are we doing, NBA? Ugh. But you know what's about to happen, Frank? What's that? The Kings are going to beat the Nuggets. Okay. Well, talk to me. I think it's really hard to beat a team four times. This would be four times. Yeah. This would be the first I know, time. I know the Kings have. 2002, 2003. That was the last time the Kings beat Denver four times in one year. Who even would have been on that Denver team? I could probably pull it up right now. Like, that's let's, probably. Let's go down memory lane real quick. I would guess, like, Marcus Camby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kenyon Martin or something. Andre Miller, Kenyon Martin. Let me go to their franchise index real quick. That's pretty funny. Uh, maybe like early Nene, uh, maybe. Ooh, that's a good one. All right, I got it right here. Uh, that roster, Birdman, his nice, his second, probably pre tattoos. Second year Birdman, uh, Marcus Camby, Nene was a rookie, uh, Juwan Howard, James Posey, and. That's pretty much it. Mark Blount, like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and that team, by the way, was horrible. The Kings beat that team because they went seventeen and sixty-five. So, fair enough. I, I was honestly feeling pretty good about going to this. I was just gonna be like, the Kings are gonna win both these games, well, beating Denver, beating like they could, they could. I they match up well. Probably not well. gonna bet on anybody beating anybody four times. To be honest, no. But I will say that I feel better about Denver than Minnesota. Um, the Kings match up well against Denver. They're kind of the Kings are kind of like a a B tier Denver. Like they kind of have similar models. Like they're they're structured kind of similarly. I feel like like you got they your Jokic Sabonis. They scare the crap out of me, dude. Like to I, they play them well, but they seem like a team they shouldn't. Like how free flowing, how quick decisions their offense is and the Kings being slow on defense, like you think Denver should just pick them apart. I would still be, they're still one of the scariest matchups to me in the postseason, to be honest. Denver? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want any part of them, but I'd rather face them than Minnesota just because of the length and all that comes yeah, with fair. it. But there's not really a right answer. There's not really a right answer like, oh, no. I would rather like Minnesota, OKC, who the Kings have played well too. Like all these teams have their, you know, their strengths that, that the Kings will definitely struggle with. But Denver, um, 39 and 19, they have a 15th ranked offense. They are 28th in pace. They don't run. I don't know, man. I, the Kings match up well against them for whatever reason. Maybe Denver comes out and says, okay, we've had enough of this. We're going to like, you know, swat the nagging bug away. That's you know, beat them three times. But um, I'm, I, I think it's split. I think it splits the best case. I, I mean, right. Like, that's just the easy yeah. answer. A split is the best case scenario. I think the same. You lose both. I mean, there are reasons for forgiveness with how good these teams are, but you better win one. Like, I mean, if that's, that's be- where we're at. That's where we're at for the rest of the year. Mike Brown looks at him five game seg- segments, win at least three. Like, you better do at least that the rest of this year. You're nine games over. If you want to keep pace with these teams around you, you have to split. Like you got to keep playing. You got to keep pace with these teams around you. And then you come home and you get Chicago, who's going through you know, a lot. You got you, you got to win these games. Lakers on the road, you, you want to put them down before they start kind of coming up and, and making things more uncomfortable. You don't want the Warriors and, and Lakers to kind of start getting in your rear view. Um, and then, like I said, San Antonio. I already had that game circled. Uh, then you go back into a kind of a, a rough home. There's a homestand coming up. Which again, for everyone that's going to be planning on being at the arena, you have a lot of opportunities to come out to the arena. March and is packed. We're going to be living there. Um, that's why this, this last little two game road trip is kind of a chance for us to to recharge and get ready. But that home stand in March is going to be really big too. Uh, Chicago, you go on the road for one game and play the Lakers, then you're back again for San Antonio, Houston, Milwaukee, L.A., New York, Memphis. Big home stand. Big homestand against some tough teams. Um, in the back-to-backs, too, with the NBA, what the hell is this about? Milwaukee? Milwaukee and L.A.? And that one late in the year? New York, Boston? I just don't understand that. Yeah, they're tough. Why? Why? They're tough. That is such... I did not know that that New York-Boston back-to-back takes place at the most inopportune time. Like, that is going to be... I'm, I'm already... I'm already looking at that and saying like that's going to be a problem. If, if the standings are like, if the standings are how they are right now, where four teams are separated by a half game, my god, man, that could be just devastating. So, and then the Kings up, will everybody. like have some horrible game in New York and then come out and beat the Celtics in Boston. Boston, when I watch the Kings play Boston, it's like watching two different leagues. It's true, actually. I forget how bad they get smacked every year. It's been like three years in a row at least. I think the differential is like 23 and a half points, like on average Oof. the past two seasons. It's the, they completely destroy them. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Boston's probably gonna have the division or the conference clinched like next week. The way, the way things are going, they've like an eight game lead between themselves and the two. It's seats, ridiculous. So it's ridiculous. Jason maybe, Tatum for MVP, by the way. You're, you're really gonna, you're, I'm uh, just saying. I'm just saying. That, the huh? easily the best team in the league, and he's easily the best player on the team. Do you think it's a matter of people not respect giving him respect? I agree. This is going to go great on a Kings podcast. I agree with what Draymond right. said about it the other day. That, that we're at the point with Tatum because he's made it so far in the postseason so many times that 
he's not going to get that MVP respect until he wins a chip. And very close to, I don't think that's really necessarily fair. Like he was pointing out, like that wasn't the case with Giannis wasn't the case with Jokic wasn't the case with Joel. And I don't know. I just think it it should, it it shouldn't be a runaway. Jokic's numbers are ridiculous. SGA, Luca, these guys are putting up ridiculous numbers, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of years it'd be a different conversation of like, clearly this best guy on the best team. I'm a big Tatum guy. I like him at Duke. Um, I think voters really, maybe they feel like they messed up not giving Jokic a third straight a year or two ago. Um, is Jokic the most deserving player of the MVP this year? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think there's definitely a discussion. I mean, again, like I'm looking at what Lu- Luca doesn't have the record, but like individual play, like I forget this guy's like literally that he's like LeBron. He's Le- LeBron James. Like the numbers he puts up are like LeBron esque, and he's like what 25 years old. So him, Luca. Um, Jokic, Luka, Tatum, Giannis is in the mix. I think again right now. I think Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander is a player that people are looking at as could who could finish top two in MVP voting because of what he's done and the defense he's played too. Um, I think that all those guys are probably the All NBA first team though. I think that Tatum is going to be All NBA first team at yeah. the very least. But yeah, Sabonis maybe a couple MVP votes. Maybe I was just uh yeah peeking at the numbers twenty points before we. Before we go, we got to highlight that just real quick. Just real, 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 real quick. Oh, yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. We talked so much about Fox and everybody else, but Damana Sabonis, 40, count them, 40 straight double-doubles. He is the, what, 11th player, I think, in NBA history to ever do that. Uh, let me read. And he took the current crown last night. What is that? Over Kevin Love. Oh, that's right. That's right. Speaking of Kevin Love. Players that have posted 40 straight double-doubles. Wilt Chamberlain, Hall of Famer. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hall of Famer. Elvin Hayes, Hall of Fame. Phil Russell, Walt Bellamy. Moses Malone, Elgin Baylor. Jerry Lucas, Hall of Fame. Bob Pettit, all Hall of Famers. Kevin Love, interesting case, maybe. I think if Chris Webber made the Hall of Fame, Kevin Love has an argument. Demonis Sabonis. This man is insane. Three straight triple-doubles. He's the only player in the NBA to have multiple three-game streaks of triple-doubles. He's done it three times. Damn. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I was talking it, on the air with, with Jason and Dave about why he gets his respect. I said it's probably a Sacramento thing. I think if you put Demonis Sabonis on the New York Knicks, he'd be probably a top-three MVP candidate right now. Um, Top four, top five. If he's playing for New York or playing for Milwaukee, or I don't know. A team that's been there, been respected, I think the Kings are still a little brother in the eyes of voters and the eyes of national writers or voters, the, the eyes of fans from around the league who they, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, but people are like, I don't know why, but it's just not impressive when everything he does is unimpressive to me. Yeah. I don't he's know. boring for people. Like he's not flashy in any way, except some of these like nice little, you know, drop off passes in DHOs, which like are kind of a nerdy, more so thing rather than like a typical flashy fun play. He euroed Wembenyama and like that's the clip. He, he, he euroed Vic and people are like, I don't know why. It would have been so much more impressive if, if someone else did it. What do you mean? He also just points. postered Zubak. Yes. And people are like, look what Zubak is doing to Sabonis. Sabonis, 20 points per game, 13.2 rebounds, eight and a half assists, 62 field, field goal percentage, 42 from three, even though it's low volume. I, I I tweeted a couple of days ago. We're gonna look back on this someday, and it's gonna be like 
first of all, how wasn't he an all-star? And second of all, what the hell happened? This man is doing insane things that only Wilt Chamberlain and Jokic have done. So I'm giving him some flowers. People probably should give him some more, well, some, some more love. And I think for a lot of people, they aren't going to give him that respect until he does it in the playoffs because people still look back at what happened against Golden State. So, um, Demonis a bonus, man. That's all I got to say. Which, yeah, we don't need to have the Golden State's bonus conversation. We, but it, the always three shooting. it always agitates me because the Kings easily could have won that series. Like everybody talks about it like they got smacked. This no. was a seven game series where Curry had to take like 40 shots to get 50 points in game seven. Like they were very much in that series against maybe the best defender of this generation. Like Harrison ah, Barnes whatever. made three away. Not all his fault. Harrison Barnes made three away. I saw like a still picture of that the other day, the shot, and I had never seen it. Was it the hypothetical tweet where it was like, yeah, it was like, it was like how far the Kings have gone if this shot goes in. It's like maybe conference finals, but um, they shot 30% from three, that whole series, a team that was a top five, three point shooting team, best offense in the league's history at the time. Not anymore. Uh, Enough with the Sabonis stuff. Like you didn't, just say you didn't watch the series then. If people are still pointing to that, just say you didn't watch the series. You're looking at the numbers. Like the numbers are not indicative of what happened. Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, sorry to name names, but anyone that was not yeah. named De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray, who played well in the last three games, did not play well. That's the end of the story. So, but, but I digress. I agree. I agree. Let's not, let's not um, keep, I'm going to, I'm going to get mad too. No, I know. It gets me. Yeah, for sure. It's a very common take for sure. Easy I to hate. am feeling okay going into this final stretch. I still feel like there's a lot of things to learn and figure out, but not only about the Kings, about like most of these teams that we're talking about in the Western Conference. The top four are in their own grouping, and then there's these next four, and then really you want to throw two more in there with LA and Golden State that you never want to count out as we get closer to postseason. It's just crowded, and it's hard for anyone to differentiate themselves. My God, man, I have Domas's box score pulled up here, and I forgot about this 26 rebound game in Memphis. 2026. It's stupid. Holy. We're, if we're still covering the Kings like eight, nine years from now, 10 years from now, we're going to be like looking up on Stathead or whatever who, when, when, I don't know, some son of a current NBA player is coming up and we're covering him in 10 years. Who was the last King to have a 20, 25, 10 game? Oh, it's Sabonis. It's just, yeah. just stupid. And now it's Terrence Davis, the fourth. Terrence, it was the fourth when he's playing for the Kings. <laughs> uh, to your point, though, like you said, the Kings, like I feel good too because when you look at where the Kings are, are they going to be playing meaningful basketball, postseason basketball, meaning playing in, in playoffs? Yeah. I mean, there's like a 99.9% chance that they're going to be playing in the play or the playoffs. They have a seven-game lead over the Jazz for the 11th spot. So, like, barring a ridiculous, just an awful collapse, they're going to be playing at least a single elimination, you know, game whether you like that or not they're they're going to be playing a game that's going to make us all sweat at some point so uh this is where the fun begins now now you got to take care of these games and put yourself in a better position so that you're not playing a single elimination game so you're playing a seven game series so um denver and minnesota we'll see you soon i'm with you the play-in would be horrifying hopefully uh that's not what we end up talking about but i'm sure it's gonna at least be revolved the conversation will be revolved around that as the year continues here. And like you said, Denver, Minnesota next up. 
we're going to keep pumping out content, sacktownsports.com, and going on the radio often. What, what We're on, is it five days a week between the two of us? Yeah, yeah. We'll be it on is. tomorrow, Wednesday at 12.30 for, uh, for the Kings Roundtable with Alan, Alan Stiles and Chris Watkins. So please join us every Wednesday at 12.30. Um, yeah, and then if you're at the arena, come come see what's up. We'll be there a lot coming up, and we, uh, yeah. You might got to well. wait in line to say hi to Frankie, though. Stop. Stop it. Mr. Popular. No, it's my family. She's my family. I got a big family. You say so. You say so. Yeah. It's the Italian. Hey, I know. Got to go watch some Sopranos tonight. Gabba yeah. ghoul. Um, yeah, we'll see you at the arena, everybody. Yeah, sounds good. So thanks to everybody for tuning in again. Be sure to check out more of the YouTube video, audio content, SacktownSports.com on YouTube. Also, Sacktown Sports 1140 radio, 6 to 6, Monday to Friday. Appreciate everybody tuning in. I'm going to be keeping up with these a little bit more, so you'll hear from us in not too long. Thanks, guys.